Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to Red Room. How are you all? I hope everyone's doing really well. This is actually the first ever like recorded episode for public. So if you're listening now, thanks for joining in. I actually released a previously paywalled episode from Red Room back in December. So if you haven't listened to that, you can go listen to that after this episode. But as the title will let you know, this episode is going to all be about Scientology and their relationship with celebrities. Um, But before we get into that, I would like to ask you if you do enjoy this podcast and if you want to receive more because I am going to be releasing monthly public episodes now on whatever app you're listening to right now. I'd love if you could subscribe. It'll make sure that the episodes will come through to your phone. You don't have to be waiting for me to promote it on Instagram or whatever else. It'll just come through like a normal podcast. Um, and give it a review if you like it. Of course, it does help out the podcast. It helps me out and it's completely free. Um, but as I said, yeah, monthly episodes now. I'm putting it out there. I'm committing to it. And I hope you all enjoy them. Uh, If you have any little requests, feel free to message me on Instagram, either on the Red Room Instagram, which is at redroom.pod or on my own Instagram. Um, It's all linked below. And of course, if you want more episodes of Red Room, if it is tickling your fancy, I do weekly episodes over on Patreon. Um, and the information for that will also be in the description, but I'm sure you are sick of seeing me promote those episodes. <laughs> I'm sure you know exactly where to find them anyway. Um, but yes, speaking of Patreon, this is a series that I actually started at the end of December. So I think I recorded the first episode about a month ago now, and I'm doing a three-part series on Scientology, on the church, and on the first episode we did a deep dive into the church, its uh, beliefs, the beginnings. It's really interesting, but like kind of mind-blowing leader, L. Ron Hubbard. I couldn't believe what I learned about him. I mean, I knew the guy was a science fiction writer. I knew he was an eccentric, but did I know that he had like occult connections and was basically wanking off in a room with Jack Parsons for a few months? No, I did not. (laughs) 
<laughs> so the full story of that is obviously on the Patreon. And the next part of this series is also going to be hosted on Patreon. So if learning about cults, learning about Scientology, religion, strange belief systems, kind of controversies around them is something that you're interested in, I would recommend you go sign up. But if you don't know yet, stick with me. Listen to this episode. I think it's going to be a good kind of baseline, uh, juicy episode, to be honest, uh, if we're going to talk about some celebrity stuff. So Scientology is a religion. Uh, I think we all know what it is, even if you haven't listened to my episode on the deep dive of how it became what it is. Huge religion, synonymous with A-list names, with celebrities. I don't know about you guys, but something for me that really freaks me out and puts like a bit of a dampener on a celebrity for me is when I hear that they're a fucking Scientologist. Like recently, Evan and I were watching this uh, really great documentary actually all about music from Laurel Canyon in the 70s. And it had loads of really cool musicians in it, like Regina Spector, Bob Dylan's son was like, I think he made it and Fiona Apple and Beck and Beck was just sat there and he looked like I don't know he just he had such a vacant look in his eyes and my mind just went probably because also I was researching a lot for this uh, series on the pod my mind immediately just went to Scientology I was like oh man they've like fried that man's brain but you know you've got people like Kirstie Alley you have Lisa Marie Presley Nancy Cartwright the list goes on and on of celebrities who are or have been associated with Scientology and you know it's something that I remember growing up hearing a lot about Scientology I never really got it, but I just kind of accepted it. But let's ask, you know, why celebrities? What, like, was this, were the celebrities drawn like a moth of the flame to Scientology? Or did Scientology reach out and try and poach celebrities? It's good to note that Scientology's goal as a religion or as a belief system is to develop an individual's personality. That is the basis of the belief that you can read these scriptures, do these tests and reach certain goals so that your personality will be the best it can be. And that kind of makes sense when you think about them buying into the cult of personality, right? Especially um, in modern day times. We have such parasocial relationships with celebrities. I think that's kind of more so gone on to influencers now. But, you know, back in the early 2000s and 90s specifically, with paparazzi culture growing, that parasocial relationship, I feel, was very specific to celebrities and very specific also to celebrity couples, which we'll get on to later. Their goal is to recruit as many celebrities as they can. It is an active goal of the church because, I mean, who's going to spread your word better than a celebrity or so they think? It's also really important to note that Scientology as a religion Their power and their influence comes from their parishioners making huge financial donations and where they will get a lot of people, they'll get mass numbers by poaching the everyday person, maybe by poaching some people who are already involved in religions or just susceptible people who might be honestly susceptible to a bit of brainwashing. That's not really where their money's going to come from. Maybe one out of a couple of hundred of these people will, um, you know, make it big. And of course, the church will always tell them that if they do make it big, it's because of Scientology, you know, those people might 
donate a certain amount of money and it is also worth noting that it costs up to about three to five hundred thousand dollars to actually go all the way in Scientology that's to do all of the courses and to be at the highest level possible but who's going to give them more money and who has more cash flow than actors and celebrities especially in their hometown of Los Angeles so it makes them a very lucrative parishioner as well. I don't know of an organization that has so their hands in so many things in the community, especially when it has to do with children and the environment, and that's, that, I, that's a beautiful thing. Well, I'm an artist, so like I said, without it I'd be, you know, in the dumps, and I would probably be an animal. I would be a horrible, horrible person. L. Ron Hubbard, who was the founder of Scientology and famous science fiction writer extraordinaire, he actually holds the world record for most amount of published novels, which I always just find mind-blowing. He had a vision of recruiting celebrities from all over the world. This vision first raised its head in 1955, which is only about three years after the church actually became expressly known as a religion, called Project Celebrity. And people on his list were the likes of Marlene Dietrich, Pablo Picasso, Orson Welles, Walt Disney and Groucho Marx. He was shooting for a fucking list. He did not want any B-listers. He wanted the most famous of famous, most glamorous, amazing celebrities out there to be basically singing the praises of Scientology. Again, you have to remember that what comes along with Scientology isn't just a development of your personality. They explicitly say to people taking their courses that if you do these courses not only will your life you know improve with your relationships you're with your family etc etc you will also on one hand get some superpowers which we go into in the episode I did over on Patreon but you will also like reach the heights of the heights you'll become rich you'll become famous whatever you want is basically at your grasp and you know if they if you're going to prey on people why not prey on people who the average person looks up to as so glamorous and so successful you know you could be a CEO you could be making like 200,000 euro a year but you'll still look at a celebrity as like Reaching the peak, you know, we have always bought into this cult of celebrity. And Alvon Hubbard, I think, really understood that. In its beginnings, Project Celebrity actually offered rewards to Scientologists who recruited the targeted celebrities. So, you know, the names that I listed out earlier, they were actually on a list written by Alvon Hubbard and it was circulated in the church. A Scientology policy letter of 1976 said that rehabilitation of celebrities who are just beyond or approaching their prime enables the rapid dissemination of Scientology. And I think that's very interesting, you know, that they they were smart enough to go, yeah, we want Marlene Dietrich in 1955, but, you know, we could possibly also uh, have a look at someone called Audrey Hepburn and if she's coming up, make sure that she is completely entangled in the church as soon as she hits her A-list so that we can basically take all of the credit for her talent. So, you know, celebrities in the 50s and in the 60s did 100% flirt with Scientology. One of my favourite songs is by Leonard Cohen. It's called Famous Blue Raincoat. And it's about, I guess it's from his perspective and it's his involvement in a love triangle. And he has a line in the song that says, 
Jane came by with a lock of your hair. She said that you gave it to her the night that you planned to go clear. Did you ever go clear? And going clear is, of course, a phrase in Scientology that after you do a certain amount of auditing, you quote unquote, go clear. You no longer have something called engrams attached to you, which are negative emotions, negative memories. And it's kind of the beginning point of getting on something called the bridge, which is basically the courses that people take when they are in Scientology. No major A-list celebrity was really shouting from the rooftops though. And that is of course what L. Ron Hubbard wanted. That was written in their books that this is what they had to do. So in 1969, something called the Celebrity Center was brought about in Los Angeles. According to official Scientology documents, and I quote... One of the major purposes of the Celebrity Center and its staff is to expand the number of celebrities in Scientology. However, the church has actually gone out and denied that they have any policy to recruit high-ranking celebrities, which is kind of funny when you think about it because of how many celebrities are out there talking about Scientology, saying it's it's because of the church that they are so successful, that they are so famous, but Again, it's a very manipulative tactic. They say, oh, no, 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 no. Like, we're not looking for the celebs. They just come to us and we make them famous. It's really crazy how that works out, you know. L. Ron Hubbard was quoted to say that celebrities are very special people and have very distinct lines of dissemination. They have communication lines that others do not have and many medias to get their dissemination through. The Celebrity Center has amenities like a five-star restaurant, a gym. It's open to the public, but it's specifically for people of notoriety. And this is actually where celebrities or people that are chosen or, you know, people that Scientology would call a celebrity or maybe people that that Scientologists think are going to be celebrities. It is where they they are audited. According to Leah Remini, uh, who did an amazing docuseries called Scientology and the Aftermath, celebrities in the Celebrity Center are often privy to information about Scientology and the courses that other people would have to spend years and thousands and thousands of dollars to get their hands on. And, you know, to me, it seems like they're trying to steamroll a celebrity's involvement in Scientology because Leah Remini has also said that in order to get to these high levels of Scientology where you're really finding out, quote unquote, the truth, um, you've to spend up to 30 years. Leah Remini got up to OT level six, which, you know, take it as level six. And she said that took her, I mean, her whole life, which was 35 years at that point. Whereas some celebrities are brought into these celebrity centers and given all the information they want so that they can be, you know, the staunchest, the most dedicated Scientologists out there and who can, again, give all credit to their success, their happiness, everything else to Scientology. I've always uh, seen the glass half full innately, so I, I don't think, uh, I, th- I think that's a fact. Um, and of course, since I've had the pressures of fame, I think, you know, my, my, uh, my religion has helped me tremendously keep positive because they've helped me combat the, uh, the, pressure of being 
famous. Well, you say religion, Scientology. Scientology. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a religion. Yeah. yeah. What is the word? For the rest of the episode, we're going to concentrate on the two most famous celebrity Scientologists ever. We're going to talk about John Travolta and we're going to talk about Tom Cruise. And first, I want to talk about John Travolta because, you know, although he is 100% a huge A list celebrity and a very renowned Scientologist, I feel like his involvement in the church is often overlooked in how he got involved, the controversies surrounding it. And it's very, very interesting to look at. So, John Travolta, he joined the church in 1975. And at the time, he was a struggling actor. He was mainly getting like some modeling jobs and he had some commercial work that was coming in, but really nothing that was making him an A-list celebrity. He apparently was feeling like very lost in his life, didn't really know where he was going. And he found Scientology, as many lost people do. The church, as they do to everyone, promised that if he followed L. Ron Hubbard's teachings, like he would become more famous than ever. And they basically said, like, we'll help you. You know, they were actively looking for celebrities who were already A-list. But again, remember what L. Ron Hubbard said. They really wanted also celebrities who were up and coming in their career, who were about to take off so that, you know, they would just link that success to the church and to their personal development by the courses taught by Scientology. And interestingly enough, you know, within three years, John Travolta was in Greece and Saturday Night Fever, you know, two huge movies that completely catapulted him into the A-list celebrity. There are a lot of rumours out there that, you know, not only were Scientologists looking for celebrities, they also were making sure that they had producers, that they had directors, that they had casting agents, all who were Scientologists. There's a really famous screenwriter uh, called Paul Haggis and he was hugely involved in Scientology for years and years and years and he wrote films like Million Dollar Baby, Crash and Casino Royale. So you know if that's just one person who we know and really he's mostly become hugely famous in and of himself for being an outward anti-Scientologist. You have to think, like, what connections did they have? And it has been alleged that, you know, they basically chose John Travolta, saw that he did have talent, because he does, and just kind of got him some good roles. And John Travolta has openly said where he is today is thanks to Scientology, that the, the religion has done more for him than anything else in the world. How important was Scientology? Oh, extraordinarily important. Hubbard taught you... Well, his writings and teachings uh, taught me uh, uh, tremendous things, uh, again, about, uh, about realistically what, what I feel is happening in the, in, in the world and, uh, and uh, I guess taught me about uh, uh, supporting the, the good things and the positive things and being aware of, of negative input, too. You know, I, I suddenly became acutely aware of the potential of... Uh, of potential psychoses on people's parts and things like that toward uh, others, myself, you know. Most people don't understand what it is. Yeah, and of course, you know, I've said for 23 years now, they must read a book. Yeah, and the because, book to read is? Oh, you could read What is Scientology? It's a book about that thick that answers every question you could possibly think of, positive or negative. And I would love for people finally to just 
read it and, and say, uh, you know, and, and answer their own questions by reading it as opposed to going by hearsay. I think bias and, and uh, slanted uh, ideas on it is so uh, sophomoric. Nancy Manny, who was the director of the celebrity centers in the 70s and 80s, claims that John Travolta was actually about to be circled in some serious fucking legal trouble around the time that he joined. And when he joined, he was very worried about this. And Scientology, because he was already involved in the celebrity centers at this point, used their lawyers and their private investigators to get him out of this. She basically has said that like the subject of this legal trouble is so taboo, perfect for bribery and exploitation, that she won't even really hint as to what it is. She won't go on record saying what it is, but she does say that she knows she has seen the reports and she was involved in helping getting these accusations completely thrown in the bin. So without any legal trouble, by the 1980s, John Travolta was an A-list fucking celebrity and he was the celebrity spokesperson of Scientology. He was the golden boy and I think Scientology at this point kind of thought they had their messiah, so to speak, their evangelical Scientologist out making A-list blockbuster movies and screaming from the rooftops about how amazing the teachings of L. Ron Hubbard was. John Travolta was so dedicated to Scientology that he spent $5 million to participate in the making of a movie called Battlefield Earth, which he claims was a passion project, but it was a propaganda film based on the novel by the same name by L. Ron Hubbard. As I said, John Travolta not only became an executive producer, but he also starred in the film. And Scientologists at the time and the church really thought that this was going to be the making of their church. They, they thought that this was going to spread the word of L. Ron Hubbard so far that, you know, it was basically going to be John Travolta's magnum opus. Amy Scobie, another famous ex-Scientologist who was another ex-director of Celebrity Centers, says that all Scientologists were expected to go see the movie at least three times in the movies to make it a blockbuster. They they were putting so much pressure on this film being the reputation of the church. And since L. Ron Hubbard had actually himself sent a copy of the book to John Travolta saying that he would love it to be developed into a movie by him someday, it's kind of easy to see where that pressure was coming from. However, the movie obviously was a complete fucking flop. It has a rating of 3% on Rotten Tomatoes, 2.5 on IMDb, and even financially, it was just a complete bust. It was a failure, and that reflected on John Travolta and his position in the church. Scientology no longer saw him as influential because in their mind, if he is this A-list celebrity who has the power to, you know, influence people, make people not only go to this movie, but enjoy this movie. If he can't do that, how can he do that about Scientology? If he can't do that in his own craft, how is he going to be able to sing from the rooftops about this religion and how it made him the person he is today? 
Scientology have since completely denied they have anything to do with the film, uh, saying that it had nothing to do with them. But here's a clip of Marty Rathburn, who is a really high up executive, ex-executive, should I state, of the Church of Scientology, talking about how not only were they involved with the film, but David Miscavige, the leader of the, of the religion at the time, was micromanaging the film down to its finest detail. He micromanaged that movie for months, every day. He'd come in giggling and he'd say, you got to see this. And he's showing us the rushes from Battlefield Earth. He's literally getting daily rushes, um, the shots for the day. And he's, when he's done, pulling out his dictaphone. Allow me to demonstrate. And he is dictating all his commentary on every shot line. Shooting it back as an order to author services. While you were still learning how to spell your name, I was being trained to conquer galaxies. We saw a sneak preview um, just before it came out. There's like a 12 people in this whole theater. And we watched the movie, and he's sitting next to me, and he's like, right when the initial credits are coming on, he's nudging me like this. He says, look at this. I can't believe this is a, I'm telling you, this is, a, this is a Hollywood movie. I mean, he was blown away. He thought it was the greatest thing that ever happened. When we went out into the, to the um, parking lot on the way out, he says, get John on the phone. And he's going, John, blow away, blow away. The old man would be so proud of you. I mean, this is the best thing that's happened for Scientology in probably two decades. I mean, he just went on and on and on. Yes. So flash forward, opening weekend was the next weekend. Already on Saturday morning, every site was already talking about Turkey of the century and all that other business, you know. He just cancels as if, you know, we're just going to forget what happened for the past eight months of this matter of him micromanaging the whole thing and then worshipping John Travolta when the final product came out. And all, he's distancing himself. I mean, it's, no, it's not we, it's them. And that cocksucker. JT is now that cocksucker. He said, Travolta took a salary and he said, for $10 million, we could have had proper CGI. The special effects is what destroyed that movie. He said Travolta's SP. He, fuck, he sabotaged this whole thing. And what this was when we kind of first see Scientology distancing themselves from John Travolta. Interestingly, John Travolta never seems to distance himself from Scientology. He still goes on record talking about how Scientology helps him. Even recently enough, he talked about how Scientology helped him through the death of his son. This is an interesting duality in their relationship, that Scientology don't really seem to want to be associated with John Travolta anymore, but he still seems very much attached to the church. And it's been alleged that that's because the church has, quote unquote, too much on him. This is when we're going to go into a little bit about auditing. Auditing is an interview process done by a Scientologist to another Scientologist. And it is where Scientologists are encouraged to express every single thought, every single transgression, personal detail and secret to their other fellow Scientologists. And it's all under this guise of if you say it aloud, it will no longer affect you, which obviously has some truth in psychology which is a lot of Scientology ironically since they hate psychology so much. When Scientologists are auditing celebrities and this has kind of come out recently with the likes of Going Clear and Leah Remini's documentary they are actually videoed and written down. As I said they are audited only in the celebrity center if they're deemed worthy enough 
And there's not just a video recording of the likes of John Travolta, the likes of Tom Cruise, Katie Holmes, Nicole Kidman, all of these people admitting their deepest, darkest secrets. It's also been alleged that in auditing, false beliefs and false memories and kind of thinking up things and just admitting to things that you haven't even done are encouraged. And anyone who's listened to the first episode on this, you'll know all about the kind of recalling of multiple lives, past lives. It's it's actually the basis of auditing itself in L. Ron Hubbard's Dianetics. So all of this would have been disclosed in sessions. You can only imagine someone who has been involved in the church since 1975, you know, over 40 years of secrets, some which could be false, but some which we know are true. Remember, John Travolta had something so taboo, so readily available for blackmail, buried by the Church of Scientology just when he began. So you can only imagine what else he's admitted to doing. It's always speculated that Scientology basically are going to use this as collateral if and when John Travolta decides to actually leave the church. And we actually know like this isn't a false threat because Scientology have a policy called fair game, which explicitly allows members to publicly attack anyone who speaks out about the church, specifically ex-members, to delegitimize them by any means possible. So if John Travolta not only leaves the church, which from a PR perspective, terrible. One of your longest standing celebrity members is leaving the church after years and years and years. You know they're going to go deep. They're going to release all the dirt they have him. And we know 100% of one thing they have on him. This woman who's an ex-Scientologist, why, what good would it be for her to, you know, let people know this in documentaries that they buried this huge, huge legal transgression of his that we don't even know what it is, but it's sounding fucking... It's sounding dodgy and there's no need really to speculate because there's been rumours about John Travolta for years and I'm not just talking about like him apparently being gay, like who really cares about that, right? There's been a lot of accusations from sexual of sexual misconduct from the likes of Monsieurs since as early as 2000. There was actually um, a re-released or it kind of bubbled up again recently enough. I think it was around post Me Too era, 2017, 2018, a 2000 sexual battery case involving, and this kind of had alarm bells ringing for me, a 21-year-old masseuse in Palm Springs. You know, what is it with powerful celebrities Hiring masseuses and thinking they can just, I don't know, take advantage of them sexually. It's fucking weird. Maybe I'm just too deep on this Epstein case at the moment. But there's been up to four accusations about John Travolta from uh, touching people inappropriately at a gym to just other sexual misconduct cases. So if he's acting like this out in public, maybe thinking that Scientology has his back, but these stories are being released. It makes me think like our Scientology just letting the stories get out there so that if and when he does leave, whatever they release on him is going to be very fucking believable. All in all, their relationship just seems, I mean, so toxic, so insidious, and full of bribery, full of blackmail and can only really lead someone to a dark and sad path. If Scientology did cover up another sexual misconduct case for John Travolta back in the 70s, which, you know, could be possible, that's obviously dark in and of itself. 
But it's also important to note that Scientology has a history of being very anti-gay. L. Ron Hubbard, back in the 50s, in his book of Dianetics, proposed that Dianetics and auditing would cure homosexuality. Now, obviously, this was very much the thinking of the time in the 1950s. He allegedly loosened his approach to homosexuality and his viewpoints in the later 60s. But then again, that can be and has been speculated to just be a lure for people and to kind of be a veneer of where this accepting ideology however deep down it is seen as a negative and this was kind of proven in 2009 when Paul Haggis the screenwriter we spoke about earlier left Scientology publicly because of their stance on Proposition 8 which sought to ban same-sex marriage in California. Paul Haggis has two gay daughters and he actually wrote to Tommy Davis the church's spokesman and requested that he denounce their support of Prop 8. However, the church completely disputes it, um, saying that the Church of Scientology in San Diego has been put on a list of churches that supported Proposition 8 out in California. It was incorrectly included and named when it should never have been on the list to begin with. Paul Haggis has gone on record since then saying absolutely not. He knew that this branch of the church was in support of banning same-sex marriage. So you can make your own mind up on where they stand on that, but I do think it's interesting to note when you think of the closeted rumors around John Travolta for years um, and their apparent cover-up of sexual misconduct which could be to other men you know are they just covering his ass because he's a celebrity or are they covering it up because not only is it something that would reflect badly on the church having one of their A-list celebrities involved in a sexual misconduct case But would it be double bad for them because it is involving or could be involving other men? So that's my last kind of on Scientology and John Travolta. As he seems to be out of favour with the church, what exactly did they bury for him back in 1975 that was so taboo that ex-members refused to even speak on it? And what's his future with the church? Is he still going to align himself with it or will we see a slow slip away? Call it Tom Cruise on Tom Cruise Scientologist. I think it's a privilege to call yourself a Scientologist, and it's something that you have to earn. And because a Scientologist does, he or she has the ability to create new and better realities and improve conditions. Uh, being a Scientologist, you look at someone and you know absolutely that you can help them. So for me, it really is KSW, and it's just like, it's, it's something that... Uh, I don't mince words with that, you know, with with anything that LRH does, but that policy to me has really gone, boy. There's a time I went through and said, you know what? When I read it, you know, I just went, this is it. This is exactly it. Being a Scientologist, when you drive past an accident, it's not like anyone else. As you drive past, you know you have to do something about it because you know you're the only one that can really help. And, uh, I went, you know, she, they said, so, like, have you met an SP? <laughs> and I looked at them, <laughs> you know, and I thought, oh, what a beautiful thing, because maybe one day it'll be like that. You know what I'm saying? Maybe one day it will be that. <laughs> SPs, like they'll just read about those in the history books, you know? <laughs> the thing is, I just go through. 
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Towards the end of the 1980s when John Travolta faded into a little bit of oblivion, he had his flash in the pan with Pulp Fiction and a few other hits. David Miscavige, the leader then of Scientology started to look for a new spokesperson and that new spokesperson came to be obviously who else but Tom Cruise. So Tom Cruise was introduced to Scientology through his then wife um, an actress and producer called Mimi Rogers. She was actually raised in Scientology but she introduced it to him as a way to deal with his dyslexia. Tom was raised as a Catholic and throughout his youth he actually apparently sought guidance from a priest who kind of became a mentor to him and helped him get into a seminary school where Tom was actually going to train as a priest and that's interesting you know when you look at it from a religious perspective that he was you know always looking for guidance from a religion or from an ideology and so much so that he wanted to really climb the ranks of that religion he wanted to be preaching and he wanted to be spreading the word so to speak as I said Mimi was raised as a Scientologist so that is someone you know whose parents are Scientologists and it's it's very very immersive as a religion she was raised in the environment that so many Scientologist kids are raised that everyone from the outside is basically living with blinkers on and you're the only one who is seeing the world as it is and you're actually encouraged to you know there is that evangelical aspect to it you're encouraged to bring people in and teach them what you, what it is you know something very controversial in Mimi's life however as as far as Scientology would be concerned is that her father distanced himself from the church and he was quite high up in the church he actually uh, became interested in Scientology in the 50s so this is like from the get-go he was one of uh, L. Ron Hubbard's little disciples but as a lot of people will know, when you leave Scientology, you are declared an enemy of the church and something known as an SP, which is a suppressive person. And remember what we talked about earlier with fair game? If you are an SP, if you're declared SP, fair game is fair game. You will be destroyed. You're not allowed to talk to your family. And if you do, they're also declared SPs. So no one really wants that association. But Mimi apparently still kind of had some relationship with her father. And interestingly, after just three years of marriage, Mimi and Cruz divorced. The author of the book Going Clear, which is the book that the documentary is based off, he alleges that the church's leader, David Miscavige, 
purposely set the marriage up to get Tom Cruise involved but ultimately did not want it to last and that him and his disciples or his little entourage were very fucking hands-on in splitting up the marriage. He wanted Tom to pursue another A-list celebrity. He wanted that, you know, iconic power couple to be out preaching about Scientology. Mimi Rogers actually left Scientology directly after the divorce, which is very interesting when you look at someone who was actually brought up in the religion. It's almost like she saw that ugly fucking side and was like, peace, see you later. I want to talk to my dad. Within the same year, 1990, Tom gets divorced from Mimi Rogers and by Christmas Eve that year, he is married to none other than Nicole Kidman, one of my all-time favourite actresses as a sidebar. Interestingly, in Sydney, and her father was actually a clinical psychologist and this apparently had alarm bells ringing in Scientology because, as I noted, Scientologists fucking hate psychologists. They hate anything to do with therapy, um, medication, anything like that. And it kind of makes sense when you think of it. If they're saying we have the cure, we have the cure to not just dyslexia, but depression. We have the cure to, you know, they think that if you do Scientology long enough, you basically have like laser eye surgery, your eyesight improves, your IQ hires. So why would they, you know, be encouraging, you know, actual medicine or trained professionals in the world of mental health? Um, so this was a shaky kind of thing. This wasn't really liked, but Scientology has a way of wedging its way in between people like all cults do between people and their family. Nicole apparently didn't distance herself from her family, but it was always a point of tension within her and Tom. And to give you an insight into maybe what Nicole was facing, here is Tom Cruise on a later interview talking about his views on medication, seeking therapy, psychiatry, etc., etc. I've never agreed with psychiatry, ever. Uh... Before I was a Scientologist, I never agreed with psychiatry. And then when I started studying the history of psychiatry, I started realizing more and more why I didn't agree with psychiatry. And as far as the Brooke Shields thing is, look, you got to understand, I really care about Brooke Shields. I, I think here's a, a, a wonderful and talented woman. And uh, I want to see her do well. And I know that uh, psychiatry is... It's a pseudoscience. But, but Tom, if she said that this particular thing helped her feel better, whether it was the antidepressant or going to a counselor or a psychiatrist, isn't that enough? Matt, you have to understand this. Here we are today where I talk out against drugs and psychiatric abuses of electric shocking people, mm -hmm. okay, against their will, of drugging children with them not knowing the effects of these drugs. Do you know what Adderall is? Do you know Ritalin? Do you know now that Ritalin is a street drug? Do you understand that? The difference is no, this was no, not Matt, against Matt, her Matt, will, though. Matt, but Matt, this wasn't Matt, against your question. Will. Matt, I'm asking you a question. I understand Do, there's no. abuse of all of these things. No, you see, here's the problem. You don't know the history of psychiatry. I do. Aren't there examples, and might not Brooke Shields be an example of someone who benefited from one of those drugs? All it does is mask the problem, Matt. And if you understand the history of it, it masks the problem. However, due to their like amazing celebrity status, 
they became not just an A-list couple, like they were the fucking couple of the 90s. Nicole was involved in the church, but to a lesser extent than Tom Cruise was. But they were still treated like royalty. Tom and Nicole unfortunately experienced what she described as an extremely traumatic ectopic pregnancy and lost their first child. But the Church of Scientology stepped right in. In 1992, they adopted their daughter, Bella, and they actually adopted her from a mother, a Scientologist mother of two children who allegedly couldn't afford to raise another child. And in 1995, through really similar circumstances and allegedly facilitated through the church, they adopted their son, Connor Cruz. So they had two ready-made kids there for them. And, you know, it's obviously an amazing thing to adopt children whose parents can't financially afford to support them especially when you're like so fucking rich but it is kind of funny when you look at this like private adoption handing them babies wanting that family facade um and probably also you know healing a bit of nicole kidman's wounds i could imagine you know kind of showing what the church will do for them So in the mid-90s, it was actually quite an interesting time for Scientology and for Tom Cruise when he was kind of in the depths of his relationship with Nicole Kidman because they moved to Sydney and he was moved away from LA and, you know... LA is the hub spot for Scientology. They have headquarters in Clearwater in Florida, which is where their kind of clergy known as the Sea Org live and practice. But really the epicenter uh, is LA because they want to have that celebrity link. But with Tom away from LA, he kind of became, he, he became way more involved in family life and he wasn't vocal about his involvement with the church during a lot of the 10 years he was with Nicole Kidman. In 1997, Nicole Kidman did an interview where she publicly went on record as not a Scientologist. So it kind of seemed like they were moving further and further. Obviously, Nicole and Tom met on set working together and they filmed three films in total together. Days of Thunder, which is where they met in 1990, Far and Away in 1992. And finally, my all-time favourite, my favourite Kubrick film, Eyes Wide Shut, an incredible film about marriage, about the occult. Um, It's really as tinfoil hat as you want it to be. They began to film this film and they were living in London, uh, filming it with Stanley Kubrick, obviously the incredible director. And it's very interesting to note that Stanley Kubrick is a no- was a known and outspoken anti-Scientologist and kind of anti-cult member. He actually lost his daughter that year to Scientology and she became completely estranged from the family. So they were, you know, spending a year in London with Kubrick working on this very intense film. If you know the film, you know it's very, very intense and they are playing a married couple in it who are going through these huge troubles. But when they came back to the US afterwards, the couple were apparently like in the best spirits they've ever been in. Nancy Manny, as we spoke about before, the director, the ex-director of the Celebrity Centre said that like they arranged this party where they renewed their vows and they had a celebration of their union but within three weeks of that party Nicole was served with divorce papers and apparently these divorce papers were like served out of fucking nowhere she did not know what was going on the couple split up 
Nicole didn't continue with Scientology after the point. Unsurprisingly, you know, 1997, she's talking about not being a Scientologist. So why the hell would she continue on a religion that pretty much split, it seemed to split up her relationship. So sad as well. She lost custody of both of her children. Whereas Tom, after this, became an even more militant Scientologist. Kidman, of course, is constantly asked about this in interviews and she's always asked about her children because, you know, there's a it's very strange. She obviously has children with her now husband, Keith Urban, but she's never really seen with um, Bella or with Connor. And Bella even got married in London and neither Tom nor Nicole were there. Connor has come out and been like, yeah, we're solid. Like me and my mom are all good. But like there's never any pictures of them together. And there's loads of pictures of Tom Cruise with Connor. Leah Remini actually talks in her documentary um, about speaking to Bella once, asking her, does she ever see Nicole? And she said, no, my mom's a fucking SP. So these kids are kids who were brought up again in Scientology. And if you are brought up with this kind of thinking, you know, we see it in Ireland with Catholicism. If you're brought up in a really, really strict religious upbringing or cult-like upbringing, it's very hard to fucking deprogram yourself, especially when you're surrounded by the number one member of Scientology. As I said, she's always asked about this and she has been quoted to talk about her children saying the following... They've made their choices to be Scientologists and as a mother, it's my job to love them. I'm an example of that tolerance and that's what I believe. That no matter what your child does, the child has love and the child has to know where there is available love and I'm open here. So I really always find that just so fucking heartbreaking for Nicole Kidman. Like that she has these two children that she raised for 10 years. She lost custody of them and, you know, kind of just became estranged from them not for lack of wanting but through a system that just did not want her a part of it because they knew that if she could probably talk to them about the dangers of what they're believing or you know any cult will just make sure that you're not getting outside information and I think with the availability of the internet now more and more people are leaving the likes of Scientology but when again when you're raised in it it's a different story so Marty Rathbun, another really famous ex-Scientologist who is in a lot of Leah Remini's episodes and he's in Going Clear, he was extremely high ranking and he has actually said on record in the documentary that David Miscavige tapped Nicole Kibben's phones and that he had that he personally, Marty Rathbun, had an, uh, a hand in ending both of Tom's relationships to Mimi and Nicole. In fact, he was actually the one who served Mimi her divorce papers. And he instructed her that it was best for Scientology this way. So he is basically saying, like, it is a motive for Scientology to make sure that they, that Tom Cruise is in a relationship, but in a relationship with an active and practicing Scientologist. And I really think that that's mainly because they don't want to risk losing Tom Cruise. David Miscavige, if you see video of them together, like David Miscavige seems to have a bit of a fucking hard on for Tom Cruise. I don't know what it is. There's some major homoerotic fucking energy between the two of them, um, but not even in a like exciting way, more in a gym bro way, if you get that kind of vibe I'm talking about. So this was when, uh, this was a turning point. 
for Tom Cruise in Scientology. It's when he began to surround himself only with Scientologists. Apparently, he like fired his press agent and he got a Scientologist in and she like fucked up a load of shit for him. Like it was not good. Um, she actually lost his contract for the next Mission Impossible film, which like, I mean, come on, like moneymaker. Amy Scobie, who we mentioned earlier, said that around this time, she was put in charge of a project to ensure that Tom Cruise was only surrounded by Scientologists at all times. And this is something that Leah Remney has kind of echoed in her documentary. She says that, like, dedicated Sea Org members, again, the Sea Org are, if you just think of, like, the clergy of Scientology, who actually, by the way, work for $50 a week. <clears throat> dedicated members of the Sea Org are on hand for Tom Cruise at all times. Apparently his security are Scientologists, his chef is a Scientologist, anyone who works in his house is a Scientologist. And there's also just members of the Sea Org ready and available for him whenever he wants. In 2011, Tom Cruise was part of an FBI investigation for exploiting decibels for personal purpose. And this was after rumours of said Sea Org members being asked to build a personal hangar for his jet rigging out his motorcycles, updating his cars, installing hi-fi systems around his house and just cleaning and scrubbing his multiple properties all while being paid $50 a week. However, there's this weird loophole which I discovered while looking into this that like if you basically are saying, like say like a nun, if you're like, oh no, I'm doing this because this is my religion, they can't really question it and they can't bring in human rights or like work ethics into it because they're like oh it's it's done voluntarily but there's always that weird fucking gray area of like how voluntarily is it if you get you know sent away somewhere if you don't do it which we're going to get on to actually in part three of this series so to rewind a little from 2011 in 2004 Tom Cruise is awarded a medal um, which is the highest award to ever be given to a Scientologist and it's to honour his dedication to Scientology and this was when Tom Cruise apparently became the church's number two. You're welcome. (laughs) I'm really, really honoured to be here with you. Thank you, sir. Thank you for your trust. Thank you for your confidence in me. And I've personally, uh, personally been very privileged to see what you do to help, to protect, to serve all of us. I want to tell you something that I, I have never met a more competent, a more intelligent, a more tolerant, a more compassionate being outside of what I've experienced from LRH. And I've met the leaders of leaders, okay? I've met them all. So I say to you, Sir COB, we are lucky to have you and thank you very much. A video of Tom Cruise went extremely viral around this time and I played a clip of it at the beginning of this segment. I'm sure a lot of you remember it. I'll link it below, but it's of him talking about Scientology and he is talking about how incredible it is and apparently it was made it was actually commissioned by David Miscavige and it was edited, he curated it, he edited it with the editors. Um 
as a way of hopefully getting people into Scientology. They wanted to control the narrative by them producing this video of him talking about it. But when it leaked, um, Tom's public persona took a huge hit. Like, it did not go the way they planned. It, it wasn't released by them, but it was released, which, you know, in the world of no publicity is bad publicity. They, If it was as good as they thought it was, they should have just left it out there. Um, but he was, I mean... It did not reflect well on him. People said that he seemed unhinged, that he seemed brainwashed, that he seemed manic. So I think this was when the church began to have a bit of crisis PR. And what do we do when someone is going through crisis PR? You know, what do Kim and Kanye do? They get a fucking new relationship. It is the easiest way in pop culture to be seen as normal um, if you can get a partner. And that has not changed since then and it probably won't change. But... In order to get this wife, the church stepped in, as they always do, and orchestrated an audition in the Celebrity Centre where they invited actresses, apparently Jennifer Garner, Jessica Alba, and Scarlett Johansson were all invited to this unknown audition. Um, and again, not knowing that it was like to be his next girlfriend, which is just major human trafficking fucking weird ass vibes apparently Scarlett Johansson uh, left as soon as she saw that it was taking place in the celebrity center as well but although this audition was apparently just a failure David Miscavige did have his eyes on someone David Miscavige apparently had his eye on an up-and-coming actress called Nazanin Boninadi uh, she became a Scientologist with her mother in the early 2000s and as I said, David Miscavige basically handpicked her. He approached her after seeing her at the 2004 ceremony where Tom Cruise was awarded his medal and asked her did she want to become a part of a top secret mission to better the Church of Scientology. And Scientology is a religion where you are a people pleaser. You want to be you want to be the favorite child. Tom Cruise is the favorite child, but you at least want to be the favorite number 2 child. And when the leader of this cult or religion, should I say, comes up to you and asks you do you want to be a part of it, like, you know, the next thing that's going to change the perception of the fucking whole church to the public, you say yes. And yes, she did say. She was put through a special 1-month program which included intense on-camera auditing interviews and really really invasive background security checks she has said that um they wanted to make sure there was nothing in her past that could come up as a controversy she was under the impression that she was involved in some top secret mission so she went along with it after this one month she was moved to the celebrity center where she was instructed to break up with her boyfriend she was going out with someone at the time apparently it wasn't that serious so she was like okay and she was put through a pretty woman like makeover they removed she had braces at the time which they removed they got rid of like she had red in her hair they dyed over her hair they got her a whole new wardrobe apparently they like brought her up and down Rodeo Drive like full on pretty woman like going into like all the shops buying her whatever the fuck she wanted and she was probably like oh my god this is a big mission uh soon thereafter she was put on a first class plane to New York City and this is when when she landed in New York is when she realized what her mission was because she was brought into the one of the Scientology buildings there and realized that the only two people there to meet her were the member of the Sea Org who was kind of doing all of her auditing, etc. 
and Tom Cruise. And she went out on a date with Tom Cruise that night. Now, how fucking weird is that? I'm sorry. That is the... That just gives me the chill. I don't know whether it's because I am like knee deep, fucking balls deep, to be honest, in this Jeffrey Epstein case. But so there are so many parallels that it just, in a different way, of course, but just really freaks me out. So it all went well. She was living with Tom after one month and they arranged for a special dinner then with David Miscavige and his wife, Shelley Miscavige. And this obviously was a huge fucking deal, right? You're having the leader of the church and they really see the leader of the church as a God. They don't have a God. They don't believe in like a being. They don't pray. They don't go to church. But the the leader of the of the religion or the commanding officer, they have this like weird fetish around fucking like Navy and the army. It's so perverted. <laughs> um, the leader of the church, David Miscavige, would be seen almost like a god. Nazanin that night apparently had suffered really bad migraines. Apparently she gets bad migraines and she found it really hard to concentrate. Also, David Miscavige apparently speaks really fast. He has a really thick Pennsylvania accent and she couldn't understand him. And this resulted when David and Shelley left in Tom completely lashing out at her. Allegedly, he like banged on the table, screamed in her face, told her she was an embarrassment. And surprise, surprise, within two weeks, Nazanin and Tom were no longer. Apparently, Scientology scrubbed the internet of pictures of them together. You know, she was really groomed to be like the next number, like the next Mrs. Cruz. And it was like, eh, eh, ain't gonna fucking happen. And a lot of this, of course, sounds gossipy, but there's actually FBI testimony about it. And I'm going to read you some er excerpts from it. I'll link some of the FBI stuff below. You can read it for yourself. But this is fucking dark as fuck. And this um, next quote is going to be about what happened her after because what happened, Nazanin, was that she went to her friends, as all women do after like a fucking traumatic breakup. We go to our friends and she started venting to her friends. They, kept, they were actually asking her, what's wrong with you? Are you OK? You seem off. She tells them what happened. She goes into detail about, you know, David and Tom and her friends rat her out because Scientology is also like they're encouraged to rat on people. They write something called a knowledge report. It's basically like if you know someone is speaking badly about Scientology, you rat them out because otherwise they're going to rat you out that you knew. So it's this weird fucking system. And this is what is said in the FBI testimony. And just to note, they call her Naz in this for short. So I'll just read it as Naz. As a result of her story, Naz was placed on the Rehabilitation Project Force, even though she was not a member of the Sea Org. Naz had to dig ditches at midnight and scrub floor tiles in both the men's and women's bathrooms. She was placed on curfew, checked and escorted everywhere she went. Naz was no longer allowed to speak to anyone. Naz began to feel as if she were a criminal. It goes on to talk about the relationship, saying, At the beginning of the relationship, Tom was very romantic, but as the relationship progressed, he began to have temper tantrums. Tom Cruise began to show violent tendencies. Obviously, Nazanin, you know, I mean, she was headstrong enough to kind of talk about to her friends and to acknowledge and then later to go to the FBI about this um, as part of some sort of investigation they had on the church, I think. Uh, she was quite headstrong and, you know, she knew that it was toxic. And it's quite interesting um, when you look at the grooming that was involved and the deification of Tom Cruise and making it be like this 
almighty God, you know, it also says in the FBI report that, you know, she was told that her one job was to keep him happy. It's interesting when you look at who was chosen next and who was chosen next to be Tom Cruise's wife was Katie Holmes. And Katie Holmes had previously publicly confessed that he was her ultimate childhood crush. She said this on multiple TV shows. So it's very strange to look at, you know, it's already someone who has that parasocial relationship with him. Katie Holmes is obviously um, an actress who was in Dawson's Creek, but she was never like super A-list. So again, you could see that as them preying on someone who could be A-list or seeing them as maybe getting someone not quite as famous as Nicole Kidman, you know, not quite as independent, someone who might need to rely on Tom Cruise a little bit more. That's how I personally see it. It's my interpretation. Their relationship was obviously always looked at under a microscope. I mean, they were so famous and it was just this bizarre relationship. Pretty fucking big age difference as well. Um, But really what kicked it all off was Tom's infamous jumping on the couch Oprah interview. And then he drags her on stage from backstage. It's very uncomfortable to watch. Um, And that was completely obvious to everyone who watched it it was all over the papers Lee Remini in her show actually said that the entire ordeal was really controversial in Scientology something within Scientology um, and when we've talked about auditing is so that you're not very reactive they hate this thing that they call the reactive mind that you know it's how maybe in modern times we would call it triggers or just you know expressing large amounts of emotion so when Tom Cruise jumped up on a couch that was fucking controversial. She deemed it improper and she ratted on him. She, she actually wrote a knowledge report on him. Tom and Katie were married for six years from 2006 to 2012. And they had a child called Surrey who Kate famously gave birth to silently because Scientologists believe that if you, if you come into a world of stress and of screaming that that will affect you later on in life so they have silent births and allegedly she received a million dollars for it that's just a rumor but i believe it during the end they're married when things started to you know dissolve when katie started to i'm presuming see through the fucking you know bullshit of like this life that she was expected to live she apparently got a burner phone from her friend and this is when she started to make contact with lawyers and people who were going to help her, I don't know, possibly get out of the situation. Well, I'm sure it was to get out because she did get out. But that's interesting. I always find that an interesting thing because when you look at that link with what Marty Rathburn talked about, saying that Nicole Kidman had her phones tapped, it's like, was Katie afraid of something? Surely it was. Like, why else would she need a burner phone? Why could she not get away from him? Very strange. After the divorce, um, Katie became really paranoid that Scientology were going to come after Surrey. Less so her. She was apparently followed for years and they kept their eye on her, but it was Surrey that she was really, really uh, concerned about. She got custody of Surrey, which was probably a huge relief to her, especially because she wouldn't know what happened to Nicole Kidman. Um, But she has said that, like, Surrey is kind of seen as, like, a messiah. Like, it's like, you know... If, if Tom Cruise is seen like almost like a demigod, his daughter, his next born, it's just seen as this godlike figure. And I, I do find that funny within Scientology that as much as they don't want to have 
gods. They make gods of these people. It's just so fucked up and weird. Um, and she has actually said, and this is again allegedly all through kind of sources, that she really thought that they were going to like kidnap her daughter and that she thought that they would get to her, that they would convince her to be a part of Scientology. So far they haven't, obviously, but it's always been a real concern of Katie's that she'd lose her daughter to the church eventually. In the divorce agreement between Katie and Tom, it was actually said that she couldn't date anyone publicly for five years, which was really interesting when in 2017 she went public with Jamie Foxx, who apparently she had been seeing for five years. She had to keep that secret. It's since been speculated that Tom Cruise is moving away from the church. Um, Some people are saying that his donations are dwindling and he's spending less and less time in L.A., but like to me, with Scientology orchestrating so much of his life and curating even the people who scrub his floors, could it ever be possible for Tom Cruise to leave? Do should we as um although he was so intensely involved with probably a lot of the exploitation and abuse within the church, you know, if he leaves, what would he say? Would he say anything? Do they have stuff on him? Again, all of his auditing sessions will also be videoed and written down. And for an actor who, of course, is A-list, 100%, Tom Cruise, one of the most famous actors ever, but his relevancy is dwindling. And Scientology as a religion and as, you know, a celebrity-obsessed religion, really, I mean, A, aren't really getting new members anyway, but B, they're definitely not getting these huge celebrity names. So... What use is Tom Cruise just this last thing that they have that like if Tom Cruise leaves, we all know it's like the emperor has no clothes. Let me know what you think. I would love to see Tom Cruise leave Scientology, but I just don't see it happening. I feel like he is just the epitome of in too deep. That is this week's episode. Again, as you, as I said, this is a part of a three-part series. So part one is already out on Patreon. You can go sign up to that. We've done loads more episodes this month. There's 27 episodes up on Patreon. Our most recent episode was at the docket with Adam O'Reilly. We spoke about Flat Earth. We spoke about the Hollow Earth. I also spoke about my first mushroom trip, which was actually gas crack to talk about. Other past episodes include an episode on satanic panic and moral panic. We did a live stream talking about the Ghislaine Maxwell trial and the possibility of a mistrial. We've episodes on UFOs, we've episodes on simulation theories, all of that kind of shit. If it's something you would like to try, it's six euro for the month. You don't have to sign up for any more than one month. You'll get the live streams, you'll get access to the whole back catalogue. Go check it out if it's something you like. If you just want the free episodes, please subscribe or like the podcast or review it or whatever the fuck your own podcast app lets you do. I will see you all next month because we are doing monthly free episodes of Red Room now. And with that, I will bid you adieu and talk to you then. <laughs>